What's up, guys? It's Dave, and today's exciting episode is with the Wealth Hacker. Yes, Jeff Rose, who many of you probably heard about. He has been very successful through blogging, YouTube. I mean, his channel's got almost 300,000 subscribers. Uh, he's been absolutely inspirational and influential for me as far as learning how to do a lot of this stuff. And uh, as you'll hear me say later in the show, he's one of the few channels that my wife enjoys watching at night, which is saying something because I get told to turn off a bunch of finance stuff because it's boring. So Jeff has been just a great person to learn from and to get to know and to just consume his content. And I'm absolutely honored to have him on my show today. We're going to talk through all kinds of financial advice as well as side hustles and uh, mistakes in real estate and mistakes in normal investing and just pitfalls to avoid and strategies. And I mean, this episode has it all. Uh, so you should definitely check it out and listen all the way through. If you haven't done so already, subscribe. And I'd love for you to give us a review. I, I don't ever shout that out on here, but if you want to go give us a review on iTunes, please do so. We don't, you know, it, it just helps the show get to more people and, uh, It'll help grow the community even faster. That being said, so I was going to say smash the like button like I do on YouTube, which doesn't make any sense. But I'm going to leave that in here because this is all about authenticity. So uh, that's that's funny. Um, show notes are found at from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey, what's up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by Fiverr. And Fiverr, for those of you who are not familiar, is a website full of freelancers and virtual assistants who can help you with your business. For example... The intro for my podcast was recorded and edited and the music provided by a freelancer on Fiverr for less than $40. The logo on my website, freelancer, less than $40. I have done a lot of fancy infographics for under $5 a piece I've had. I found a editor for my YouTube channel. Fiverr has basically any task you could ever want to outsource can be found at Fiverr.com. That is fiverr.com and if you go in the show notes there is a link that will take you out there and take a look around guys it is a very very good way to save yourself some time which is huge and they may be better at the task than you are so you never know definitely check out fiverr.com they have saved me so much hassle so much time and helped me produce better content for you my listeners now without further ado enjoy the episode Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military to Millionaire, and I am here with Jeff Rose, a gentleman who's really done the military to millionaire journey, who served in the Army for nine years. He's a certified financial planner, a CFP. He runs the Wealth Hacker YouTube channel, and honestly, if you don't know who this guy is, um, uh, well, you should. He's he's phenomenal. He's big in the FinCon community, and, and one of the YouTube channels that I watch when I want to learn more about money as I go through this transformation. So uh, Jeff, thanks so, so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, awesome. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your story? Yeah, um, so on uh, on the civilian side, feel always weird, feels weird saying that. So I uh, <laughs> went to school, finance major. I will say prior to me graduating, I was a college dropout and uh, was going nowhere in life, ended up joining the Army National Guard to get my, my butt in gear 
and then end up getting a finance degree, stumbled upon a job becoming a financial advisor, stockbroker, uh, just because there was no other job offers out there. And that led to a 16 year career as a financial planner. And uh, during that journey, I was in the Armed National Guard, as I mentioned, I uh, was deployed back in 2004 to support Operation Iraqi Freedom, stationed in the Green Zone. I don't know if they, I guess it doesn't exist anymore, but right, US Embassy, Baghdad, Actually, it was uh, the Bath Party headquarters where our FOB was, and uh, Saddam's trial actually was held on our FOB, which was kind of cool and kind of freaky. But um, along that journey, uh, I was growing my, my business, my financial planning business, and then started a blog, goodfinancialsense.com, C-E-N-T-S, make sure you got to play on the, that spelling, and uh, purely as a marketing tool for the financial planning practice. And uh, this was a time I had no idea what a blog was, like zero clue. I thought I meant MySpace, thought about talking about whatever food I was eating for that day. Uh, <laughs> but then when I discovered the potential, you know, and this is going back into 2008 is whenever I registered the domain and actually launched the blog. So that was over 11 years ago now. And uh, along that journey, I end up hooking up with, not hooking up, that's probably a bad word, uh, connecting <laughs> uh, with some other personal finance bloggers. Actually, I don't know if you had him on the show, but there's not, a guy by the name of Ryan Gana who mm -hmm. served in the Air Force and he actually was deployed the same time frame I was. So like we were, I think he was, I don't know where he was, but he was stationed with the Air Force. I was, you know, with the Army. And uh, after we both got back, we connected and um, he runs a personal finance blog and we end up emailing, chatting, and uh, he was like my first real life online uh, to real life connection, especially like in the blogging space. And when he shared like how much he was making with his websites, I was blown away. Uh, so that began a journey of really wanting to understand how do you make money from a website? And uh, so that's where I am now. I actually sold the financial planning business earlier this year after 16 years of doing it and just completely focused on the website, the YouTube channel, podcast, just basically trying to grow the online business even more. Yeah, that's it's crazy uh, to think so, what some of these guys are making passively online. And honestly, you have a, almost a, I think the, the money probably goes to show it's like the old rule, right? The more people you can add value to, the money will follow. And like blogging is in YouTube. And I mean, that's a great way to reach way more people with a message than you might one-on-one. -on -one. Might not go as deep, but I mean, your YouTube channel's got, 300,000 subscribers, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, almost. We're almost there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I know, uh, tons of people who watch that. So it's really cool to be able to post a video and it stays evergreen and just tons of people will be able to see that over a time period. So I think that's why it's so scalable. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so I know I was going to mention it, uh, you know, when we, before we recorded, I just wanted to touch on, uh, Jeff just posted a video the other day that, uh, seven accounts wealthy people have. And in there, he talks about a personal equity account. And I just wanted to throw that out there to you guys to say that I still watch his channel and get a ton out of it. I had never thought about budgeting for my investing in myself, as opposed to just taking money out of my business account, whenever I decide to do something and being more intentional with it. So I wanted to thank you for that nugget. Yeah, no, it's funny because even like when I first, I, I remember the financial advisor that had hired me, you know, he was a quote unquote million dollar producer, which is a pretty uh, elusive title to reach in the financial planning industry. And I remember him telling me that he had hired, I think at that time, like his second business coach. And when he shared that with me, I'm like, 
what do you mean you hire a business? Like, what do you need a bit? Like, what is a business coach? You know? And he would, he had played uh, college basketball. So, you know, he was very familiar with coaching and he kind of explained, you know, the whole concept. And even when he explained it to me, like, I, I didn't quite get it, you know, like I'm like, because especially when he shared like how much he had spent, I mean, it was anywhere between like five to $10,000. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, what, what do you mean? You know? And it wasn't until um, I ended up leaving that firm, starting my own business. Um, where I kind of, I just reached this almost like a plateau, you know, like I, I was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but I just didn't, I don't know. Like I didn't feel like I had a purpose anymore. I was just going through the motions. And, uh, if I'm being honest, like I, I could have kept making that amount of money and not, not, not do a lot of work. And that just wasn't, I mean, I should have been satisfied, but I just felt like, man, like God's given me more talent, you know, more skills to do. And I'm just not taking advantage of it. And that's why I ended up, uh, signing up for my first business coaching program. And I think at the time it was like eight or $9,000 that I invested into it. But like, it was so hard. It was so hard for me to spend that amount of money. Um, and then just through the whole process and just all these things revealed, like I just recognized that. And like a lot of people, they look at coaching, consulting, uh, courses, conferences, they, they look at them almost as like a, a cost, you know, like, oh, how much is that going to cost me? you know, as opposed to as an actual investment that's going to pay off, you know, returns and dividends over the years. And it's just a total mindset shift. So the idea is, is creating a personal equity fund, which is basically just a savings account that you give like a really fancy name, but you are just dedicating, committing that I'm going to put money into here that I'm going to invest into myself some way, somehow. And that way you just already have, like you're already ready for it. So that whenever that opportunity comes along, whether it's a conference or, you know, a court, maybe you follow somebody, you're talking about uh, Grant Cardone before the recording here. And, you know, if you're a big fan of his, all of a sudden he has a private mastermind that he's getting ready to release or a new course or whatever that is, new coaching. And now you've got like $250 saved up in your personal equity fund. And like, he has this thing like, yeah, like I'm going to do that. You know, like I want to invest in myself. So I'm going to take money out of my personal equity fund and allocate it towards that. Yeah. Which is just brilliant. And it's huge because I've, yeah, I've definitely, uh, overdone it a little bit on conferences before, which is probably a bad thing, but I mean, it pays dividends and you're right. It's weird. The dynamic when it comes to coaching where like at first you're just totally hesitant to pay somebody, you know, this chunk of change or whatever to grow. And then all of a sudden you do it and you're like, Oh, holy crap. Like I got all my money back out of that. And then some, um, it's, it's actually, it's funny because I, the business coaching program, not to, to plug them, I was in that program for five years. It was called the strategic coach. And so three years in, I had invested about 27, $26,000, not including time away from the office, hotel stay, you know, having to get up to Chicago. And I always had people asking me, uh, the super analytical people like, well, how much, what was your return on your investment? You know? And, and initially like I, I couldn't quantify in the first year because actually if you looked at my revenue, at the end of the first year, like it was flat, like money. I didn't make more money. I mean, actually I lost money because I spent, you know, the eight or $9,000 to join the program. Fast forward to two years later. So three years after I initially signed up, my revenue went from $250,000 a year to $750,000 a year. And all because of just different principles that I was able to apply in my business, outsourcing, delegating, focusing on the money-making skills, all this stuff. I mean, I'm not talking like I invested $27,000 and made 500,000. I'm talking I invested 27 and then increased my recurring annual revenue to half a million dollars a year every year going forward and it's only gone up since then. I mean, 
uh, I would love to try to plug that into a financial calculator to see the, the return. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's pretty astronomical, you know, when you see it. Um, so when I, when people are hesitant about coaching now, there are, there are bad coaching programs. Like, I mean, I've seen instances where people invested money, they didn't get that return on the investment. So he, he, there has to, some careful, you know, just use your due diligence, but just make sure you talk to people first before you kind of just plunge in, uh, on a $250 course, whatever, like that's not as a big a deal, but we're talking thousands of dollars. Um, and don't do what I did because I basically got referred by somebody I met online. Um, he didn't get a kickback or anything. We just, yeah, that was the whole random story, but it, it worked <laughs> out for me. So I'm grateful for it. Yeah, that's funny. So true. All right. So uh, we kind of joked about it before the uh, show, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience with real estate investing. <laughs> so, um, you know, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad was, and I still is, um, it's actually over my left shoulder. I got like my top 10 yeah. books and it is, there. <laughs> there it is. And, you know, I love that book. It just, it changed that my mindset early on in my, uh, my career and my journey. Um, didn't really give me a blueprint on what to do, but it still at least got me thinking, man, I've got to try new things. And obviously anything you read, you know, real estate is a way to accelerate your wealth building. And I know obviously you're one, uh, a great case study and there's countless others I've ran to who's just been very successful with it. So, um, I, I'm going to become a real estate investor, you know, and I, so I'm working my financial planner job and which was still taking like 30, I mean, sometimes 40 hours a week, let's just say like 30 hours a week. And I wanted to start buying real estate. So I started looking at different properties and I found a HUD property that we made an offer on. I had no idea how actually I was going to rent it out since you had to live in it, but I was going to figure that out after the, the fact we didn't get that. And then we found a dude, I say we, it was me and my father-in-law. He was more of like the handyman guy. So if there anything that needed fixing, like he was going to do that. I was supposed to be the numbers guy, which I mean, I was, but not like as far as like, I didn't know how to like analyze a real estate property. And uh, we made an offer on this duplex and, um, you know, put some earnest money down. And then after the fact, I decided to run through my CPA, who was a very successful real estate investor. And he's just like, Jeff, like, you know that I invest in real estate. Like, why wouldn't you ask me first before you made this offer? And I'm like, I don't know, because I got really excited because I thought I got a good deal. And um, basically, he ran the numbers like you if the air conditioner goes out, like in the first three years, like you're losing money. You know, like you just you're paying way too much. Like this is not a, a, a good deal at all. Uh, you'll be lucky to break even uh, if you can get out of it. So I somehow I was able to get out of it. Didn't have to. And the lady gave me back our, our earnest money. It was only like five hundred dollars. But nonetheless, uh, still she still gave it back. She didn't have to, but she did. And it, in that whole experience, I just realized, man, I, um, I, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like I, I was really excited. I remember boasting to one of my, my best friends at the time, like by the end of the year, I'm going to have 12 real estate properties. Um, I still don't own one. <laughs> uh, that was 11 years ago. And, and I also, for me too, like I recognized, like I was driving all around our, our area, like looking at houses and, and it was just taking me away from my financial planning business. Like I just, my business wasn't growing and just had some, some guilt with that. And that's when I ended up reading this article talking about blogging, you know, and more for financial advisors that want to stand out from other advisors is, you know, one way to do that is, is to start a blog. As I mentioned, I didn't know what a blog was. I had to figure that out. But then I just thought, hmm, okay. So basically all I'm doing is sharing my expertise and my experience on what I'm already doing uh, while you know trying to reach new people. And I thought, well, 
that seems like that's a good idea. You know, I could do that. Like that seemed like a lot easier than me trying to figure out something new. So that's when I began that journey of, of starting the blog and, and really the initial motivation was, or inspiration or just the ease of it was I'm getting asked the same questions over and over again from all my clients, you know, whether it is, how do I roll over my 401k? How do I save for my kids college? You know, how much life insurance do I need? Blah, blah, blah. So I would just answer those questions and put that in an article form. And it was just kind of cool. You, you have, you've heard that expression, you know, like they wrote, I'm going to butcher it, but you know, he wrote the book on that or uh, just, you know, mean that person's an expert on that because I guess maybe they published a book on it, but it was kind of cool that somebody would ask me a question about college savings plans. And I'd say, Oh, here, I wrote an article on it, you know, go check it out. And they were just like, Oh wow. Like it, it I, I, it was just funny like the immediate, it's almost like I did write the book on it because I was smart enough and had the experience and expertise enough to be able to write an article that was published on the web. But many people didn't realize like how easy that was at the time and still is, but nonetheless, it just, it put me in this expert status. And uh, so that's the whole real estate thing led me to a major pivot on starting the blog and it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, that just, you know, it's not for everyone. And, and I think it made more sense. I mean, just like what you did, you rather than invest all this time into learning something that may not be your forte, you got an avenue to take what you already know and you are an expert in and run with it. Like that seems like the logical step anyway. So I think that's, I mean, that's, and that's good for everyone to hear. For those of you listening to this, that uh, real estate's not always like, just because people invest in real estate doesn't mean every investment. It's like everything. There are good investments. There are bad investments. You got to know what you're doing. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm still interested. You know, I've got a friend here uh, also in the FinCon community that he bought a, a property to do Airbnb, which in Nashville, like just makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, right now I think it's, it's even cash flowing, even though he only rents it out maybe like half the month or maybe less than half the month. But you know, when CMAs are in town or some big music festival, which there's just always something going on, like he does very well, but it's just like, you know, diversification. So just, it's something that I haven't closed the, the book on yet, but you know, right now I'm just enjoying what the online business is doing. Yeah. There's a ton of fun opportunities with that. And if you ever got questions, I'd love to talk, but let's uh, stick into some of the other stuff. What are some of your favorite investment strategies or vessels that you like to, uh, to look into? Hmm. Um, always a big fan of the Roth IRA. Just one of the, the things that if anybody can take advantage of it, as long as you ain't making too much money, there is the backdoor Roth IRA that you can take advantage of. Um, also just, I mean, you talk a lot about real estate, but have, if you are a small, not a small business, but small business, self-employed, et cetera, you know, you can open up a self-directed 401k and that offers profit sharing. And obviously you gotta be at income level for this makes sense. But you know, when I actually did a video on this not too long ago, but like last year, my wife, so I, you know, I'm sole owner of the business. My wife is an employee. Hopefully Iris not watching this, but you know, she, she is, she just, she does help out with the business, but you know, so basically we, I pay her enough where, you know, we were able to put in the 18.5 or 19,000. I don't even know what the limits are. That's embarrassing. But, uh, so whatever the 401k limits are plus profit sharing, 
you know, so we're just adding bonuses to our salary. So we each were able to put in $55,000 last year into our retirement accounts, you know, so $110,000 each. And that went into a self-directed 401k, which allows us to invest into other things than the, instead of the traditional stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, all that good stuff. Uh, so, you know, if, if there was some sort of like a real estate investment, like I've got, I know another guy in, in the area that asked me if I wanted to do a uh, hard money, hard, what's hard the term? Loan, yeah, yeah hard, hard money, money loan. You know, and I forgot it was like seven or eight percent that he was offering. And so, I mean, these are things that I could uh, set up through the uh, the four hundred one k. I do have some real estate notes that are paying me like a seven percent dividend um, that I did back uh, in Illinois where I moved from. But that was all done through the other uh, 401k. So anyway, that's just uh, a thing that you can take advantage of. And and if you're not even maxing it out like that we are, even just to put money into that, that allows you to invest into uh, maybe some real estate deals later on. I mean, that's why this is a, a dated article. But uh, whenever Mitt Romney was running for the uh, the presidential president um, election, however many years ago, like there was this story that was done about how much he had in his IRAs and it was some stupid number like 80 million dollars or something like that and the reason he was able to do that because he had self-directed IRAs and he had I'm sure some real estate but for him it was a lot of private equity that he was investing into but that's one way that you do it and it sounds like oh that only the rich people can do that like no I mean you anybody can set up a self-directed 401k or IRA as long as you are um, you know, self-employed and, and you do it. I mean, that's the requirement. So uh, it's not for the, the ultra rich. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who invest with the, uh, with self-directed IRAs. Um, in fact, it's, if you're going to do private lending, it's probably one of the better ways to do it because you can basically just let that money, you know, you have a fixed interest rate and it just grows and there's no taxes on it. And um, I've got some buddies who do that very successfully and they make, awesome returns on just lending other investors their money or, or, you know, maybe they partner up on a deal. Yes, so definitely an option. Um, all right. So we mentioned the Roth. Do you, do you have a preference for the, the age old, like Roth first traditional? Um, to me, it's like, if you are, I'll just throw out an age here. I mean, if you're younger than 40, then the Roth is going to make the most sense. If you are over the age of 40 and you're making good money, um, it's, unless it's like a pure like legacy planning play where you want to pass on tax-free money to your kids. Typically, you know, in your forties you're making really good money and that deduction that you get from the traditional is typically going to work out better, but it just really depends on what your goals and objectives are. But under 40 lean towards the Roth over 40, uh, towards the traditional, unless you just want to be a really nice parent and give your kids some tax-free money. I think that's good advice. Yeah. It definitely just depends on your income now versus retirement. Um, what do you, th what are your thoughts on uh, like index funds versus people trying to beat the market? I don't necessarily mean day trading, but yeah, know, that's, um, that's exciting, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, so I, I've, I have hated, gosh, that's such a harsh word, but I, I've hated index funds, um, the, the bogle heads and, and not that like buying an, a passively managed index fund is a bad investment. Like I think for anybody that is starting off, it's a great investment. You know, I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, like it's the easiest thing that you can buy that you're going to take advantage of the market. But man, like when I see people that quote Warren Buffett and whenever he put out his, uh, the Berkshire Hathaway annual report several years ago and 
And uh, there's actually a guy in the FinCon community that used that quote, you know, where, look, Warren Buffett billionaire says that you need to buy index funds. That's where he would put his money right now. I mean, <laughs> great, awesome. But I, here's the question I asked, like, did Warren Buffett become a billionaire by buying index funds? And like somebody says, well, index funds didn't exist back then. I'm like, yeah, I get it, right? But still, where is Warren Buffett investing his money right now? Like, yes, he's telling you, the average investor, that is not going to take any time or research to invest into a passively managed index fund. But where is he investing his money? So what are you trying to accomplish? If you want to invest for the long term and, you know, 20, 30 years, and then you've got a big chunk of money, sure, index funds. But if you want to actually accelerate your wealth building, then you got to do something more than index funds. That can be a piece of it, but you got to have more, whether that be real estate, whether that be buying individual stocks. And, you know, I think I wish I, I should have checked before the recording here, but like I have the, when I have a Roth IRA, uh, can no longer put into it, hashtag rich people problems. But when, <laughs> you know, I look at the investments that I placed into that, I mean, I think I only have like five or six stocks and like Facebook, uh, Visa, and I don't remember what else I own, but nonetheless, like when you look at the return that I've made on those stocks over, um, the last 10 years, I mean, it's like 19, 20%, I believe, I think it might be somewhere in that ballpark, compare that to index funds. And I know for me, what really kind of sold me on this was having clients, you know, I, I remember these clients, they were in their, I'm sure they're probably mid seventies now. And they had all these legacy stock positions, you know, just like Disney and GE and, you know, just stocks they held forever. And when you looked at how much they made on those stocks, as opposed to mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera. I mean, they were averaging like north of 15, closer to 20, you know, 15 to 20% on these, these stocks than the individual funds. And that, that was just one client. I mean, there were several clients I had that were like that, but then, you know, we've just been programmed to, Oh, stocks are risky. You know, you need to diversify, you need to blah, blah, blah. And like that is all coming from mutual fund companies trying to sell you, you know, their products. Um, but I mean, buying blue chip, even just dividend paying stocks. Uh, like to me, like that is going to make you more over the long term than just buying a passively managed index. Yeah, I definitely like dividend stocks. I like that you said that about the Warren Buffett quote, because I, I think it was, was it Susie, Susie Orman or whatever, who someone asked her once what her portfolio looked like. And I know we can get into her, but, but, but she brought, it was like 90% bonds and people got super pissed because like, Oh, well you talk about all this other stuff. Like, well, once you've won the money game, why, why would you not put your money somewhere where it's just, you're not going to lose? Like you don't necessarily, not to say that won the money game and all that, but you know, like Warren, exactly. Warren Buffett didn't get rich by investing in an index fund and he probably wouldn't do that now starting yeah. out. But once you've got that much money, take the safest route possible <laughs> and maintain it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. If you go back, I think it was in 2008, whenever the U.S. debt was downgraded, we had the financial crisis going on and Warren had a, an article, I think that, I think what, it was either the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. So basically it says like, I'm buying American, you know, um, he didn't buy the S&P 500 index fund. He put like all his money into GE stock when it was like $4 a share or $3 a share and then sold it when I got like to 20. Um you know, he bought like into to Bank of America whenever it, it, it went south, you know, like that's where, he, that's where he made his money. He didn't buy the Vanguard S&P 500 fund. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll stop. No, no, I, I, I completely agree. And it's, and I like the fact that you're, you're mentioning specific companies and, and 
that's that's my thought. So I, I had some terrible success. I use that as a, a Love it. funny word. Um, as a, I guess you could say stock market investor. I'd probably just say gambler as a young Marine. Um, I lost all kinds of money. I mean, I made some money, then I lost it all, then I lost more. Um, because I was just investing in ticker symbols. I wasn't investing in companies. And as I've gotten older, I've realized like, well, that's where I messed up. Like if I had done my homework in that same era and invested in Apple or Amazon or Google or Microsoft or any myriad of these companies that were clearly going to be around for a little while, I would, I mean, my returns would have been amazing. So I think that's people get wrapped around ticker symbols and charts and forget that like, like right now, some of my best investments um, in the non-real estate world are companies that I just know and trust and I am very confident that they will be around for a while. So we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a mid-roll ad. Today's mid-roll ad is Robinhood. And if you're not familiar with Robinhood, it is just a really simple app that you can utilize to buy and sell and trade stocks. It's very simple. Uh, it took me all of like five minutes tops. I mean, it was very, 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 very quick to get started with and to buy my first stock with. In fact, when you sign up, you will actually get a free stock and there's some valuable stocks out there. I think mine was like $8, but I've heard of guys getting 100 200 $300 stocks for signing up with Robinhood if you go through a friend. So I just wanted to touch on this only because Jeff and I mention it in this episode and I'm going to put my link down below. So if you sign up, you'll get a free stock on me and awesome. And if you don't, great. Cool. We're getting back to the show. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah. I think that's huge. Uh, all right. Have you, I know you've done a little bit, I think, I mean, you got the word up behind you, but side hustles, you got any, uh, any experiences or, or favorite side hustles? I mean, I guess technically like all the blogging stuff started as a side hustle, but <laughs> it, 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 it was, you know, it initially wasn't a side hustle, but then it became a side hustle. And yeah, let me actually share that journey. Cause well, prior to, um, the real estate adventure, uh, it was multi-level marketing. Uh, it was, uh, Juice Plus was one. I was really into healthy living, health, health and wealth. Then it was, uh, I think it was a quick star, which is the vision of Amway. I mean, and this is a lot of it inspired by Rich Dad Poor Dad because he does mention multi-level marketing. I did Amway. Uh, yeah. And for about a month, that's how I got a hold of Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. It changed my life. <laughs> um, and I will say, man, like there are some good principles that, you know, if you are, if you join a good multi-level marketing uh, firm company, whatever. I mean, just the, just having to go out and sell. I mean like that, I mean, yeah, it can be a little shady. <laughs> it's like, um, like, Hey, I want to invite you to this opportunity. You know, I want to invite you over for dinner. Like, I, I don't like that aspect, but you know, having to understand what are the features and benefits of this program of this company and how that's going to, you know, uh, play out for the, the person that wants to, that you're maybe interested. So, I mean, and also just getting you out of your comfort zone, but nonetheless, a lot of money, not a lot of money, but enough wasted, enough time wasted. Uh, then it was uh, real estate. And uh, from there, like, I don't remember anything else I really tried, but the blogging thing was, okay, I'm, I'm going to try it out. Launched, bought the domain in June of 2008. And then I think it went live July-ish, August. Was publishing three articles a week on average. And after nine months of doing that, I, I finally got my first client. And so I, and I, I stopped that because I, I, uh, a common definition of insanity, you know, is like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting uh, a different result. And like, here I was basically being insane, publishing three articles a week, 
uh, in, in doing a lot of research. I mean, I'm talking at least 20 hours a week, if not more, just all things blogging. I was writing all my own articles. I'm a horrible writer. Uh, not, not only what I produce, but also the time it takes to produce a piece of crappy content. Um, it's, it's, it's just horrific. Um, uh, but I did have some terrible success, you know, with that. And then somewhere along the way is whenever I talked to my buddy Ryan and he shared how much he uh, was making and I threw on Google AdSense on my blog and I wish I need to find out the date. Oh, I actually saw my desktop. Check it. <laughs> so, um, so February of 2009 is when I got my first paycheck from Google and it was for $152.91. Uh, I'm actually going to do a video on this. Actually, let me just talk about this because this is one of the biggest reasons why people that start a side hustle or the entrepreneurs don't stick it out is because they can't survive this stage. And the stage is the BMW stage. You know, like we're not talking about going out and buying a brand new Beamer or renting a Beamer so that whenever you go to try to uh, solicit people to join your multi-level marketing company, you're like, oh, look at me, I earned this Beamer. Um, the BMW stage is the below minimum wage stage. So are you willing to put in the work, the hustle, the grit to where basically you're making below minimum wage, hoping for a, a payoff later on? And many people either don't, some people can't do it, you know, because they've got a family to support. They've got bills they got to pay, debt they have to pay off. But, you know, for me, it's like, man, I'm talking nine months of pouring 20 hours a week into this. So I finally got a, pay, a paycheck of $152 after nine months. Um, and the second month paycheck wasn't that much more. I mean, it might have been like $160. But then that 160 became 250, then it was 500, then it was 750. And I don't have that check here on my desktop, but uh, somewhere along the way, it was like a, almost a $5,000 paycheck that I got from Google. And like now we're, we just went from side hustle to like, this is like a real income. I mean, wasn't as much I was making it for my financial planning practice, but still, I mean, you know, almost making $60,000 a year, like that's nothing to, to scoff at. So that is, that, that was my side hustle story. I like that below minimum wage stage, BMW. I'd never heard it stated that way, but you're absolutely right. That's, you know, I, th I always joke with uh, service members um, that they have the perfect opportunity to side hustle because say you want to build a, like what I've been messing around with, you know, slowly or whatever, like I've already got an income. So sure, I'm working for free, but like, it's really not any different than when the boss just says, hey, we need to stay late because someone forgot to change an oil filter. And in the military, you're like, oh, great. We'll be here all night. Like, we're kind of used to doing extra time for not a whole lot of income sometimes. So the idea of doing it, but for yourself is not that bad. Um, you know, and, and my family's already supported, which is nice, the security blanket there. So, um, but that's a cool way to put it. Cause yeah, it's totally below minimum wage for that first year. If it's even a wage, uh, you know, and I have to imagine too, even like investing into real estate. I don't, I Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you just kind of like woke up one day and opened up the classified and said, Hey, I'm going to go buy that property. I'm going to make some money. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure you probably had to do some research, read some books, talk to some people, uh, find some property. And even when you made an offer, I, I don't know if you flipped it or if it was just like a rental property, it wasn't like you were cash flowing immediately. Um, so there's like a lot. So, I mean, that's why I hear even, like talking about passive income, like, oh, well, real estate investing is passive income. Like, yeah, I mean, it can be. But like, that's why not everybody goes out and just buys real estate, you know, like there is a learning curve and 
many people aren't willing to stick it out um, or they make a bad deal and it just re either wrecks them financially or just wrecks them, you know, emotionally where they just, oh man, I can't, I, I failed. I don't want to do it anymore. I mean, it's kind of what happened to me a little bit, but um, I did pivot into something else. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, anyway. No, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes money. It is what it is. Um, all right. So looking back, what is uh, what's a, what is one piece of advice that you would give your 18 year old self? Like, what do you wish you'd known? Oh, um, that mentorship is like, is a big, big deal. And I did not have, you know, my, my father struggled with that. Um, my, actually both my parents, uh, they divorced when I was young, both my parents independent of each other, both filed bankruptcy twice. So like, that's the financial tools that I grew up with. Um, my mom invested a little bit into like annuities and insurance cause she had no idea what she was doing. My dad didn't have any investments whatsoever. So I didn't have, like, I didn't come from a, a family background that would talk about entrepreneurship and personal development and self growth and uh, investing in yourself and personal equity funds and all this stuff. Um, so just seeking out, I mean, I think of like Robert Kiyosaki, you know, like what, what a blessing, whether it's made up or not. I know there's been stories where the rich dad wasn't maybe, maybe it was made up. I don't know, whatever, but nonetheless, let's just, let's just say that's true. You know, the fact that he had a friend that had a dad, um, that had a different perception, you know, on life, different perspective on life and could offer him just a different way of thinking, uh, and just recognizing like, man, like you're only, you only know what you are surrounded by, you know, going back to, I think Darren Hardy's quote is for you are the av you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And God, it's so true. Like, it's so true. And that was me growing up. Like I, I was happy to go to school, get a, degree a good job and if I'm making 60 to 80 thousand dollars a year like that was that's that was my goals like I was set and then when you start I, I mentioned the uh, advisor that had uh, hired me you know the guy was making about a half million dollars a year living in southern Illinois where the average salary was like forty five thousand dollars a year and it's just like wow like okay that's that's awesome that's cool like I want to work towards that and then you know I, I was in Michael Hyatt's inner circle for a year and you know, then you see a guy who employs like 40 people and is making, you know, eight figures work, you know, on a business and just making like million dollars per month. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, like all of these things are possible. But before it was just like, I'll never make a million dollars. Like how, how could I ever make a million dollars? That just seems impossible. But when you start hanging around people that either have done it or believe that they can and are willing to put themselves out there, take the risk, take the chance, you know, it's just not a matter of like, okay, it's not that I can't do it. It's like, okay, what do I need to do to start making those things happen? And it's all those little steps, you know, it's all the little steps of just reading books and podcasts and uh, listening to podcasts like this, or just talking to people that have achieved that success and just surrounding yourself with people that think differently. I agree completely. Yeah. Mentorship is huge. And I would like to say, I've never said this recorded before, but uh, yeah, people get so bent up about whether or not rich dad, poor dad is true. And it's hilarious to me because my theory on it is if he made that story up from scratch, I would almost give him more credit because that is like the perfect parable parable to like, I mean, it has changed so many people's life. And for someone, especially a Marine, right? Speaking as a Marine and knowing how well thought we are, uh, for someone to be able to 
articulate those lessons so well through a parable, whether it's true or false, if it's false, like good on him. I mean, I hope he owns it someday if that's the case, but that's so impressive to me that he just broke it down that simple because finance is not a, like those subjects are not usually uh, very stomachable and he found a way to make it enjoyable. That's why it's been so successful. So. I see this a lot on uh, YouTube commenters and I'm probably, it's all over the web, but anytime like we talk about Grant Cardone, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, um, anybody basically that has achieved some success and now they're selling some sort of program, some sort of coaching courses, et cetera. And it is like, Oh, the gurus, you know, they're just, that's how they're making their millions and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, good for them. Right. I mean, good for them because what it has done, it's inspired me to the fact like, yeah, I, I believe that I can do it because they have done it. Like I'm, I'm grateful for that, whether, and I hope the programs do help people, but just the fact that they have these programs and they're are sharing some of that insight, you know, for free on their different platforms, like, uh, like Brandon Bouchard, for example, like I, I I'm grateful for that because it's given me that inspiration motivation because it's, it's pretty easy to sit back and point fingers and say, oh, look at them. That's how they made their million. But it, it's also a different perspective and mindset for those who are like, oh, they did that. I want to do that too. What do I need to do right now? And that's either going to be a finger pointer or you're going to take action. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What is uh, one resource, book, course, website, whatever that you would recommend for anyone getting started in uh, finance or real estate or business or um, going back to the basics, I think, you know, I do love uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, total money makeover. I think for anybody that's still like trying to get a handle on their finances, that's a great book to start. Uh, I do, I'm actually looking over my shoulder, like the ones I would, uh, recommend, uh, automatic millionaire by David Bach, I think is another good book. Um, more higher level. Um, I really love Brandon Bouchard millionaire messenger as far as anybody's like building an online platform and just showing you the potential on things that you can create kind of gives you like this ladder uh, step system, you know, where you start here and then you add this and then you add this and add this. Uh, we've already talked about rich dad, poor dad. Also uh, talking about side hustles. Actually, he does have a book called side hustle, but Chris Gillibo has, I don't know if it's called the side hustle, but his first book that I really, not his first book, but the first book that really I liked of his was the hundred dollar startup and just gave a lot of, He's really good at giving very specific examples of people that have started a business with little to no money uh, that has either it's just a side hustle, you know, where that's all it is, or it becomes like their full-time thing. And that's really his, his story or mantra is that your side hustle doesn't have to become your main hustle, but if you can start something on the side that makes a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars a month to supplement what you're already doing, like that, that's not a bad thing either. Um, I think the story I remember was the guy that was delivering mattresses by strapping it to his back and like riding his bicycle through town. Like, I, I don't remember the specifics, but I just, there's just that mental picture of a dude got a mattress to go strapped to his out. back on a bicycle. Uh, that was a side hustle that I think ended up becoming like a main hustle. That's funny. Hopefully not on a bicycle, but <laughs> I mean, Hey, whatever works. Yeah. Talk about bootstrapping. Uh, awesome. Awesome. All right. So, uh, where can people get a hold of you, Jeff? Uh, predominantly hang out on Twitter at uh, J Jeff Rose, two J's. I know that's confusing. I do not have a stuttering problem. Uh, <laughs> but then also on YouTube, Wealth Hacker Labs, or you just search Jeff Rose, you can find me. And then the blog, Good Financial Sense, C-E-N-T-S dot com is also a good resource. Yeah, and definitely go check out his YouTube channel. It is 
Uh, I think I already said it on here, but if not, uh, it's the only channel that my wife really enjoys when I watch in the bedroom um, as far as finance. So it's uh, it's one of my favorites. It's it's I think her only that gets a, a thumbs up. So it's it's definitely a good channel. Um, before we wrap this up, is there any uh, parting advice, anything we missed, big ideas that you'd like to hit on? Yeah, I think um, the one thing I didn't really touch on today was just the idea of starting something, starting small. And for those that have never invested before and you, you keep thinking about it, keep talking about it, just, just do it. And I mean, there are so many different online investment accounts nowadays that you can open up. And not that I have one favorite in mind, but um, like Robinhood is one that's been very popular over the past couple of years. And, and just curious, like how, how easy it was. I remember I was, I think we were flying, my wife and I were flying on vacation somewhere and I was boarding the plane. So I'd given, you know, my boarding pass I'm boarding a plane. I downloaded the app, uploaded all my information. The only thing left to do was sync up my bank account. And that was all done before the plane took off and you know, before, and there was no delay, you know, it was everybody seated and we were getting ready to, to, to lift off. And I'm like, so I could have got, Invest, started invested literally at the time it took me to board a plane and put my seatbelt on. And for, so for anybody that's still on the sidelines saying themselves like, I don't know what to do yet. I don't know how to do it. Open up any investment account, put in $25 and start because that's where you're going to learn how it all works. And that's going to open up the, the doors, not just to investing, but into other side hustles, other investment opportunities. But you learn more, so much more by doing than actual just reading or talking about it. Yeah, that's huge. Taking action is the piece where it all comes together. Awesome. And uh, for those of you who want to, I'll throw a link down below for Robinhood. I, it's a fun app for sure. It's super simple. Um, although I lost money yesterday. So yeah. I only check that thing like once a month because I, if I try to keep my emotions out of my real estate or my, uh, my stocks, but because uh, I'm a terrible emotional seller and buyer when it comes to the stock market, as I've proven time and time again, I do not trust myself. So. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. This was a blast. I know my uh, listeners got a ton of value from this and I know they will from your YouTube channel as well. Yeah. Appreciate Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.